Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Nemophilist. I'm Logan Chartrand, and this week, uh, as we were just talking before I hit the record button, I uh, have some thoughts on where I want the conversation to go, but uh, unlike usual where I've already had the conversation and I can tell you where it's going, um, I've got my guest here live with me, well, live virtually partway across the country. But my guest this week is Derek Craig. Uh, welcome back to the podcast, Derek. It's been a minute. Yes, it has. It's been a while since we got to talk last. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. And then as we were kind of going back and forth and I started thinking, I was like, that's had to have been close to a year. And I was for sure thinking like, oh, man, it'll be every probably three, four months. I'll be able to have an episode, get Derek on. Um we are right here. It is as we're recording, um, and this is going out in the next couple days for sure. So we are dead in the middle or towards the uh, the latter third of September. Pretty much everybody's hunting seasons are going right now or are about to here in the next two weeks or so, right around October 1st. I don't know if there's anybody that's not open by October 1st. Uh, but Derek, I wanted to have you on this week. Talk about several things. We had talked in the past about um, your own tree stand story and being tree stand safety awareness month. But really um, what led me to jumping on Facebook real quick the other day, I was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast is you just kicked off your Indiana season and you always are creating content, um, whether for New Day Outdoors. I know the other day you posted that you had done some work at what appeared to be a um, really interesting music festival. So you're always yeah. you're filming, you're photographing, you're you're always doing these things. And just recently. Um, the only way to probably hear about this sooner is if they're already following you and have checked out your YouTube channel. But just the other day, you went out and self-filmed a successful archery hunt and wanted to kind of pick your brain. For myself, selfishly, I am getting ready to kind of go back through and update my own filming gear. But I know there are a lot of people who are always on the fence who talk about, oh, I want to start recording my hunts. And some people are like, oh, I want to try to get on TV. Some people are like, oh, I want to throw it on YouTube. Some people are just like, I want to show my buddy at work the next day. But it's be I think maybe it's because of those different ranges of interest. Something like filming can seem really overwhelming. Uh, so I was hoping that through the course of our conversation today that maybe you could share some tips. Um, you could talk about what it's like. I think that's a big thing that I would love to hit on uh, because of how difficult I feel it is. Maybe we even talk about uh, the challenges of self-filming and what it's been like for you. So people understand when they do see your videos on YouTube, Maybe we can give them a little bit behind the scenes of what it takes to make that happen. Yeah, definitely do that. Um, so 
like very quick kind of reader's digest version of this. Cause I've, I've told kind of the story before, but how I got into it was basically a dad, uh, just like every other dad wanting to film their kids, you know, when they're young and the things they're into might've been youth soccer or whatever, uh, you know, school events and such. And of course my girls early on took to hunting. And so, you know, me being the dad, I'm like, I'm going to film this. I mean, why not? You know? So that's where it all started. Never had anything, um, never had any intention or desire to grow it, anything beyond that. But uh, being the engineer I am, I'm very OCD and and very driven towards always improving. And uh, so I just, I started rolling with it and just developed it over the last, man, 14 years probably now. I mean, it's been a long time of filming. Uh, So, yeah, so when it comes to it, uh, you know, down the road, you know, when you look at the long haul, I've made probably every mistake that you can make when it comes to filming, self-filming, filming for other people. I mean, I've done the classic don't hit the record button. That one always stings, especially when you're filming your kid shooting a deer. Um, you know, to, you know, I've had some, some, I've had a lot of projects I'm very proud of and, um, you know, even, even recent ones. And I look, it's funny because I go back and I look at work I did uh, even a couple of years ago, three years ago, when I thought my work was, then pretty good. And I look at it and I go, wow, man, look how far you've come, you know, just in the last three years. And if I go back 10 years, I just, I actually laugh, but you know, I, I didn't know. So again, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. And uh, I don't think that there's ever a ceiling that you can get. Uh, Even if you're Peter McKinnon or Casey Neistat, you know, when it comes to, you know, some of the best content creators that are out there on YouTube, I don't think that there's a ceiling and you have to, continue to push yourself. Now, not everybody has to do that. Just somebody wants to get started filming hunts. It's a very, uh, it's a simple process, but it's not an easy process. And the two are, are not one and the same. So, um, you know, it's especially with today's technology and the different ways that you could film for relatively nothing. I mean, most every one of us carries around an iPhone or an Android phone in our pocket these days. It shoots better video than uh you know cameras i was shooting on you know actual production cameras i was shooting on six seven years ago so the technology is there you know i mean you can start there you can go to the action cams uh you know little simple handy cam you know video cameras to a full-blown prosumer video cameras to dslrs which is a a photograph camera essentially what you would take pictures with they shoot amazing video mirrorless cameras all the way up to full-blown what hollywood uses you know i mean and everything in between uh so there's a there's a a financial entry point at an infinite scale and uh there's just infinite uh ways that somebody can can go about it um you know i would encourage anybody to just if you're going to get into it, I would think that I would encourage people just to get into it just because, just because you want to film uh, for your own memories as a starting point, man, I get so many people say, yep, I'm going to start filming. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be the next this and be the next Lee and Tiffany or Michael Waddell. And I'm here to tell you that, you know, for Eddie, like everybody who picks up a basketball says, I'm going to be the next Michael Jordan. Mm, you're not. I mean, you might get a LeBron that comes down the road or, or another guy, but 
Um, you know, there's only one Michael Waddell. There's only one Lee and Tiffany. Um, and there are room for others up there. But, you know, most of us, if, if, if we can make it to the point on YouTube where we get a thousand subscribers and can get monetized, then we're doing far better than 95% of everybody else, you know, who picks up a camera. So you got to have realistic goals and a set a realistic starting point. And then from there, man, you should be willing to learn and be willing to screw up. You know, the literally the best way to learn is to always have a camera in your hand. And I mean, always. Every day of the year, I have a camera in my hand, period. I was going to say, you pretty much so. you live your advice. You're yeah. always capturing something, mm -hmm. somewhere, some way, somehow. Um, I don't know that we need to get into the full-blown professional side of things. I would love to think that my audience includes those people that are ready to take that next step from um, high quality YouTube content to putting content on, uh, broadcast television, which I can tell a lot of people there is better content on YouTube than there is on some of the broadcast, um, stations that are out there that you can find on TV. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that needs to be your benchmark, but, um, so we could go to, I guess I want to take this up to where I'm at so that I can steal some thoughts and ideas from you along the way. Um, but start with you, but like the cell phones, iPhone, Samsung, uh, not like that matters what brand it is, but whatever it is, um, whatever your iOS is, any of the new high end smartphones, what should somebody be considering if, I'm sitting here and thinking, okay, I just want to capture a few videos. I've got this phone. What's it going to be good for? Like where, where will those videos shine so that what they're using will benefit or what they have used will be placed in the appropriate spot. So they're not trying to put it somewhere where it's going to look like terrible or they're going to be really unhappy with their footage. So maybe we could start with the people who just want to, grab and get a, those few quick scenes, but want to do maybe a little bit more than just, oh, crap, I forgot. Let me grab my phone and take a video of this. Yeah, yeah. So um, when it comes to phones, you know, the, the new phone technology is amazing. Um, uh, as much as I'm not an Apple fan, Apple is king right now, although Samsung's right behind them. And in fact, I watched just uh, some of the stuff that uh, the guys were talking about the new iPhone 13s that just came out here in the last couple of days. Um, it's absolutely amazing. However, phones were, are always, at least for a while, going to suffer when it comes to low light. So, and, you know, most of us as deer hunters, you know, we know that that first half an hour and the last half hour typically are the best hunting times. And that's when you're going to see the most, you know, activity. Uh, phones, your small action cameras like GoPros, they have tiny little sensors in them. And that camera sensor is what brings that image in. And if there's not enough light, then that sensor, it can't see. And you get what we call noise in the, in the image. And noise is this kind of, it, it it's this digital blur. It's kind of what static was back in the day. 
but it's this digital blur. It will like, especially in dark surfaces, you'll see like colorations and it, it looks terrible and it's hard to watch. It's got um, that uh, almost like military digi cam yeah. type look to it. Yeah, it does. Um, so you're going to be very frustrated in those situations. If you've got good light though, um, you know, they're going to shoot amazing footage. They are, and they're easy. We all carry them. They're convenient. Um, you know, uh, years ago, Casey's nice that when he was doing some of his videos, he said the best camera to use is the one that you have with you at any given time. So, you know, that might be a $10,000 production camera. It might be a thousand dollar DSL, or it might be, you know, your $300 Motorola smartphone. Okay. Like I carry. So, and I've shot some actually, I mean, this is, I carry around this Motorola smartphone. It literally is like a $250 phone. Um, and I've shot video on it. Now, is it as high end as mother stuff? No, but does it look pretty decent if you throw it on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube in a pinch? Yeah, it does. You know, especially, you know, in my case, if I only need like two seconds of a clip just as like this time filler, nobody can discern that then, you know, but yeah, so it's, that's very convenient for the guys right now. And as far as how are you going to hold that phone, <clears throat> excuse me, in a tree or on a tripod now um like fourth arrow just came out with this new like hundred dollar tree arm that has actually got a smartphone attachment on the end that pivots and so you could you could use that for a hundred dollars have the mount um put your phone on that you know you look at tripods there's all kinds of little adapters or you know different mounts that you can accommodate for in a blind or to clamp to a limb on a tree or something like that i mean that's the bare bones probably easiest thing that a person could do if they wanted to start filming and and don't want to put you know any money into it you know and even on the on the cell phones now there's plug-in external microphones you can get so you can get better yeah. audio i mean dude there's so many things that you could actually do with a smartphone that we couldn't do two years ago you know with smartphones um yeah, there's actually been a couple of guys that I know that do, you know, similar to me and they've put out uh, tutorials on YouTube about, hey, if you want to film with your iPhone, here's here's what you got to do. Here's the basics. And then if you add A, B or C or D, you can step it up a notch. Again, it's probably the easiest thing to do. And if I was starting out today, honestly, um, and just wanted to had no intentions of doing anything more than just being a dad filming their kids that's what I'd do. There's no freaking way I'd haul 30 pounds of gear around the woods like I do now. (laughs) So you mentioned light uh, being an issue with the size of the sensor. And for those of you who may not envision it the same way, think of it like your peep sight and aperture comes into play with opening and closing the access to the sensor, which would be more like the peep. Uh, But a small peep, it's generally not great for a lot of hunting, um, especially deer hunting, because it typically happens to crepuscular animals at dawn and dusk. So that low light you've noticed in the past, you, you're great at the range, super accurate. You can see the target well. And then all of a sudden, five minutes after sunset, here comes a deer. You draw back. You're like, where in the world is this thing at? I can't see it. You're looking around the you're like, it's right there. That's what that sensor is. Yeah. And very similar, very similar to the peep is if you ever notice, if you shot a tiny little peep, if you're say 3d shooting or turning something like that, and a tiny peep in a, at high noon on a super bright day, 
that image when you're looking through that peep is crystal clear because that peep is so small and there's so much light. And it's very similar to the sensors not going deep into the muddy waters of detail. But that's why you'll notice in, say, a GoPro or even if now the high-end phones now have software that manipulates. But in most cell phones, when you take a picture, everything from one foot from the lens to 100 foot from the lens is in focus and is sharp. And it's very similar it's because they can only do so much with that little sensor. And when you go to a big sensor, only a portion of what you're seeing through the lens is sharp and in focus and you have this depth of field. And it's very similar to then a big peep in the daylight, but you get in low light, that little peep you can't see, the big peep you can, the small sensor in the camera cannot see, the big sensor in my cameras can see. That's kind of the difference is in a very fundamental way. Certainly. And they're all, like you mentioned, they're all going to have their place. Um, they can all come in handy any other like so distance um tips on especially since we're talking cameras digital zoom uh, focus what other tips would you give somebody who's trying to get the best they can with what they've got in their cell phone? well and, and again actually the cell phone that's where it actually is a benefit if you've got good light everything's going to be in focus you don't have to worry about it trust me that is a downside to say the gear that I run is there's nothing worse than that deer comes in and you shoot it and you thought you had the deer in focus and you don't. And because you can't go back and recreate that. I could sit here in my studio and I could take this shot six times and be like, Oh, that one I'm in focus. Like dummy, you did the other five and not, but in the woods, there's no do overs. So that is a beauty of that cell phone is everything's going to be in focus. If you use a GoPro, everything's going to be focused. They will tend to make things look like they're further away than what they really are. I always say like in the case of a GoPro um, is that it's like the old TV adds 10 pounds or 150 pounds to you look. A GoPro makes 10 yards look like 50 yards. It just adds distance. Um, cell phones do that to a degree, but they have the built-in technology to digitally zoom you swipe one way or the other and you're zooming in it's a digital zoom it it does lose quality as you zoom in and anybody who plays with their smartphone and starts zooming in and out to take a photo you know you can see it pretty quick because you're really not zooming a lens what you're doing is narrowing down on the area of that already tiny sensor and then it's digitally blowing it up and so there's just not enough pixels you know at, at the end of the day you know and so, um, yeah, so there's, there's that on the focus side of things that you, know, you don't have to worry about missing that. Um, there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot that can be done with the cell phone. You just, again, you've, you just got to make sure that you work within the boundaries of it. So I feel like for me, my phone is, there are a lot better phones now. Uh, it's great for pictures or it's great for video if I can control, if I can see the screen and I'm watching it um, from a distance. I think it, it's also cell phones make great, um, in our case, like a second or even a third angle where um, it's small enough if you need it somewhere close because of the wide angles that are capable without zooming. Uh, I feel like a lot of folks mess up with the cell phone thinking that, oh, this deer's at 20 yards. It looks massive. And like you said, that that stretching from the wide angle is suddenly you get in there and you can't see. So I mean, I, tell me if I'm right or wrong. I would 
probably tell somebody if they mentioned to me that they were shooting with a cell phone and really wanted great coverage, I'd be encouraging them to be inside of 15 yards. Oh, yeah, or yeah, if yeah, they yeah. really want decent footage of the shot, of the things that are happening, of being able to see all of it without again zooming in and then it gets yeah. super pixelated. Yeah, yeah, 50 yards or 15 yards. I mean 20 yards maybe, but and look, if it's 20 yards in open field, that's different than 20 yards in it in the woods. If you're 20 yards in the woods, you're probably not going to see the deer on the cell phone very well at all. Um, well, there are times you know, so, a deer 20 yards in the woods. I can't see on the three inch LCD display of my camcorder. I struggle with it. I honestly do. I struggle with it. Sometimes, sometimes I have to zoom out, zoom back in and all that and everything. So yeah, people do get unreasonable expectations. The one that they probably get though, the camera they get more unreasonable expectations out of is the GoPros or the action cameras. Those, because you really don't have the controls. Yeah, you can control them kind of with an app through your phone, but it, the it just takes too long to get up and going. There's a latency. There's all kinds of other things. Um, but people are like, yeah, I'm going to film with my GoPro, you know, which, hey, for $500, it's a heck of a camera. I mean, what it does. But again, there's this GoPro factor that 10 yards now looks like 50. And so I tell everybody, you know, I use action cameras. Um, I don't use GoPros, but I use others. And that's why I only use them for POV stuff. You know, I mean, they're two to three feet from my face when I get, when I'm out turkey hunting and I take them and set them out in the decoys. I mean, they're literally a yard from the decoys, you know, that type of stuff. So yeah, you just have to learn the limitations of what you're working and that applies to a phone or a GoPro or a handy cam or an expensive camera. It doesn't matter. You just learn, learn the limitations. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, have, realistic expectations and maybe that's part of what i hope to accomplish through this conversation is provide yeah. more people more realistic expectations of uh what it really takes and what what they are going to get from it so we covered the the cell phone um probably the the next step up staying with just like consumer gear um you had mentioned a handy cam but how sony's got some really expensive Andy cams these days. Um, the person who wants to go that next level and is willing to carry some other small, dedicated, maybe not even a dedicated video camera. Maybe I don't do the. I don't have a DSLR that shoots video um, at all. I have a point and shoot that shoots some, so I couldn't talk intelligently at all about kind of DSLR video, um, and that's. That's I did, as I'm thinking through it, not even the next step up from my camera, uh, my phone camera is to get DSLR and shoot video. You're probably well into photography if you are you're thinking about grabbing a DSLR and going that route. Um, but maybe some of the I don't know three to five hundred, two to five hundred dollar range. Uh, somebody that wants, or maybe not yeah. even putting a budget on it. Somebody that wants to get a small camera that they can take out and film hunts. Um, from your experience, and let's say deer hunting, turkey hunting, where the standard hunting where they need morning, evening, they're gonna yeah. they need something in that low light. What would be some things that you might recommend? Whether you get into brands or not, I don't care. We're not represented by any of them, but uh, no, yeah, that group. Well, so I would I would refer to I would recommend brands right now. Model numbers would be you know I don't know I I haven't been down in. I messed with that 
camera, uh, you know, in years, but I, I know generalities of what's out there. And so I, when I say a handicam, yeah, I, I literally mean the handicap. these, the current ones are being offered by Sony and Canon and Panasonic. Those are probably the three I, brands. I would not go probably with anything else. Um, no JVC or something. That's another that yeah. I see a lot of, but yeah. I, I can't, I personally can't bring myself to do that until I hear somebody else firsthand, like a you no. who says, Oh, I used it on this project. And no. actually here's what I think. No. And, and I'm sure somebody's going to say, well, what about this one? Look again, I've not been down in that playground for a long time. So, but I'm, I was a Canon guy for years. I'm a Sony guy. Now, both of them are amazing. You can make, you can now Canon, probably you can buy more offerings at the lower price. Sony is very proud of their equipment and their name and they, they price things accordingly. But, um, you can, you can pick up a, a Canon, you know, that shoots 4k at 24, 30 frames per second footage, uh, which is all you need, um, for, you know, two, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars. You know, there's, they have several offerings in there. Sony's got a couple that are probably pushing down around the five to 600 mark. You know, um, if, if somebody's got, you know, 800 to a thousand to spend, you can, you know, you can then jump up to say Canon's got some of their, um, oh, their, uh, gosh darn it. It's similar to their X day series or HG series. Yeah. The G cameras. Yeah, the G series, and and I can't remember what number they're up to now. I shot on a Canon uh, XA20 for years, actually, and loved that camera. But those are um, actually I, I'm a Canon person. It's just it's where I went. <laughs> it's almost like when we were younger, and like you had to pick: Are you going to be a Nintendo person, or are you going yeah. to be a Sega person, or or Atari and Nintendo, and then Nintendo and Sega, and then Xbox or PlayStation? Like you you have to all pick sides. I landed with Canon a long time ago. I got them. So currently I am using the HF G20, uh, 1080p. So yeah. I, standard high definition these days, your, your regular high definition, mm -hmm. uh, 10X optical zoom, 20X digital, which I haven't even, you, I like, I turned that function off within a month of buying it. I'm like, I'm not going digital at all. Uh, and then what big jump because uh, part of the issue I'm having and I'll be honest, I, I love my Canon equipment, but if I struggle with it, something has happened to this camera that is admittedly eight, 10 years old, somewhere in there that's been used for hunting. Uh, it's been used for promotional videos. It's been used to film football games. It travels all over. It's been in the truck, in the pack hog hunts with Robin. I mean, just all sorts of things. The, uh, for some reason, the manual focus does not want to work on this thing. It doesn't matter if it's the focus ring. Uh, it doesn't matter if I try to use the, uh, the any other fo a digital focus control in the menu. It doesn't matter if I use my Verizoom, my link controller. So it, I, Figuring it's got to be electronic. It's not a mechanical issue with my manual focus, but as a deer hunter, it can be really, it is, it's not that it can be, it is like critically important uh, to be able to have that manual focus, to be able to 
work uh, to focus in on a deer that is moving through brush, has leaves in front of it, uh, turkey hunting as they're moving in and out of brush. So to not have, like, it's fine for football. Uh, it'll be, it'll still be a fine backup camera, a second angle camera, another great second cameraman camera um, for closer in stuff. But something happened in the last couple months where I have to focus on something with autofocus. And if I want to stick with it, then I switch the camera over to manual focus. I hate that I don't have control. So, and I can't find anything online anywhere about this. And I'm usually pretty good about being able to discover things like Google didn't come out yesterday, even though some people still don't know it exists. Like, I feel like I've looked everywhere and I can't find people who have had this problem. Uh, so time to upgrade looking at the, now the top of the line in the HF G series is the G 60. So they have a G 50 and they have a G 60. Um, both are 4k cameras. One, the G 50 has 15 X optical zoom or 20. No, I'm sorry. It has 20. Um, and I'm sure you don't care about any of these technical details, but maybe somebody else who's looking is like, oh, Logan did some of the research right. for us. Um, the 60 yeah. has a 15x zoom, which is still five times higher than I use on my G20 because mm -hmm. I limit it to only the optical zoom. Uh, but the 60 has the one inch CMOS the sensor inch instead yeah, of the... What is it? Half and a third or whatever. <laughs> I can never... The, yeah, the... Uh... Uh, yeah, the two thirds or yeah, uh, yeah, whatever like the, the littler, <laughs> the much I, smaller. I don't. I look. I I haven't filmed on those tiny sensors in years, so I mean, I'm everything I do is full frame now, you know. So, but yeah, you know, and, and uh, those are great. And honestly, um, but they're also the sixteen hundred dollars. Well, brand that's new. What, that's what, that's where I was going with it. Is um, if you go back a generation though. You can pick that. It's like bows. I mean, you need to go back and and you buy last year's flagship or two years ago's flagship, and you do that with cameras. They are still great cameras. Mm -hmm. Still great cameras. I, you know, I mean, I get. In fact, I I was thinking about it the, the other day up here on the shelf. I've got a tape based my first HD tape based camera. I, that, I saw that. I was um, going to ask what that little camera was back there in the corner. Yeah, that's a Canon uh, H uh, H. J thirty or HD thirty H H something thirty. It was my first uh, HD camera. I paid stupid amounts of money for the thing back twelve years ago or so, and uh, it shoots on tape. And I I know, and I I need to go do it. I want to go out and just film with it, you know. And I know I can lay down some amazing footage with it. So my point is, if you go back, uh, you know two, three versions, you know, one, two versions of, of the camera, you're still going to be shooting 4k on a, on a good sensor and a good, I mean, IO system and everything about that camera is going to be amazing. And, and, you know, it's about fundamentals. I like, I got a buddy of mine who's a, an amazing photographer, absolutely just blows my mind with the images that he shoots. And that is a guy that you could give him a digital you know, DSLR camera from 15 years ago and put it in his hands and it would just still look amazing. Like he can do more with an iPhone than I can do with my mirrorless camera. You know, it's just, 
people so, did great photography yeah. without digital software mm-hmm. <laughs> enhancement type things. It's the yeah. skill, the technique uh, that goes into it. So yeah, where where my real concern was is, so I have the 20 and they have a 30 and a 40 uh, that are great cameras. Unfortunately, they're both only 1080i. They have the smaller sensor in them, but great low light pickup. In fact, I feel like mm-hmm. the 40 may even have like infrared or yeah. some sort of night vision type uh, capabilities, which is really awesome for a hunter. But I'm sitting here thinking I can go get one of those cameras for about a thousand. And this actually is a really good transition into another question that I have about all of this that I want your much more expert opinion on. So I can get one of those cameras for about a grand, upgrade what I've got, more optical zoom. Uh, luckily, my batteries still work. That's the other reason that I'm kind of staying with within the Canon lineup. I've mm-hmm. been looking at the Sonys a lot. I'm glad that I talked to you because some of the JVCs that were out there and, and different cameras. But I, I knew I was kind of between Sony and Canon regardless. The fact that I can just grab all my uh, high-capacity batteries and everything that I already have and don't have to totally replace it, it's a big influencer on what my next camera is going to be. But I feel like even though 4K is relatively new, that's where we're going. So my thoughts are I don't want to pay big money or another 1080 camera. If it can't do 4K, I don't have a need for it. For a couple reasons. One, technology heading that way. Two, even though I don't have hardly anything that I'm absolutely aware of that I can view in 4K, I really like the idea of taking that 15X optical zoom at 4K and still being able to zoom into 1080 resolution and not have to have gone into digital on the camera itself. Um, so maybe yeah. even being able to use it for some longer stuff in <laughs> in good light, but still limiting it to that. Uh, yeah. The other aspect is the one inch sensor. Like I feel like if there's a one inch sensor out there for me, and I feel like I fall more into the prosumer after all these years, I'm definitely serious about it. I mean, love to talk about it. It takes a lot of work uh, to do all of this stuff. So I feel like for me and where I'm going and where I'm coming from, I'd love to use that G20 as a secondary camera. Uh, way Like you mentioned, the action cameras. Yes, not quite as small, but if I already have all the batteries for it, I can get some really good footage having that on another little uh, camera holder or whatever in a tree with right. me. Uh, but I feel like the that low light aspect, I already know what I get with the half two-thirds sensor in the 20 and every mm-hmm. other camera that has that same sensor in it, even though it, it costs more money than what I've currently got. Uh, I'm really intrigued by future proofing myself for a while by spending a little money. And here's the other aspect that I want to get your opinion on. I can buy what amounts to, and I it doesn't amount to a certified pre-owned, but I can buy a pre-owned model from a store that I do a lot of business with an online store that I, I know and trust. And I actually, I have a somewhere around here, uh, Canon PowerShot G five X Mark two. That's the point mm-hmm. shoot that I was talking about. Um, I bought that used from them. So I'm considering for a few hundred dollar savings going with 
in their rating system, a nine of 10 pre-owned, which means it may have some minor scuffs on plastic or metal. What are your yeah. thoughts on somebody going pre-owned to save some money and what caution might they need to have? Uh, I've done it. Uh, I've done it. Uh, bought pre-owned cameras. I bought a lot of pre-owned lenses over the years. Um, lenses don't scare me really at all. I mean, you could get a lemon, but the cameras really not too nervous, especially if you buy from a reputable place, you got to be careful. Let's say you're just jumping on eBay and you know, uh, camera guy 256 is selling a camera on eBay and you don't know him from, you know, you pass him walking down the street. Who knows? Gotta be careful. I got taken years and years and years ago, probably 15 years ago on a camera and had to do the whole PayPal bite it and ended up getting my money back, but it took three months and it was on a camera that was $1,500 and $1,500 is a lot of money. And for me, mm. uh, for me, 12 years or so ago, that was a boatload of money. Like literally that was, I was scared to tell my wife about it. <laughs> my wife <laughs> um, asked about this G60 and I was like, Ooh, if it wasn't yeah. for the production work that I'm doing through Wizbang, bringing in money on the side, like she would be absolutely yeah. Against me, even considering spending that kind of money to yeah. improve the quality of my um, filmed hunts and football games. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would I would just caution. I probably would not be. Uh, I don't. I've never bought a used camera on eBay since. I bought used lenses, but not a camera. Uh, but I have bought used cameras before. You know, from places like um, like B and H, uh, Adorama. K and M, I think it is. So you've had, I don't mean to interrupt you. Well, I guess I do because I am. Uh, you have bought from Adorama before. You've had, like, I always oh, yeah. see their stuff. And I'm like, is this some sort of scam no. ripoff? Because their prices always look There's, so good. There, there, there are a lot of ripoff. When it comes to buying any camera gear, this is something I will caution people on. Is uh, It used to be a lot worse than it is now, but it's still as bad. There's a lot of, they call the, the Brooklyn uh, ripoff joints. Um, and you'll look, and where are they based out of? They're based out of New York, all of them. Um, but uh, the ones you can trust, now these two are New York-based, is, uh, is B&H Photo and Adorama. You can trust them. They're both in New York. They're, they're wonderful. Uh, both of them have fair prices. Adorama does have some better prices a lot of times. I just bought uh, a light the other day from Adorama. They had a closeout deal on it, and uh, it was a. I couldn't believe the price. Like when I it was one of those like double take. Am I sure I'm really getting? But they're good. Um, you know, I so you can trust them buying used. Again, there's this other one. It's K and M or K and E. I can never remember which. Uh, K K M E. Anyways, regardless, it's something like that. Um, and they're really popular in the used camera market. They've got good rating systems. They rate the the cameras. Um. Yeah, you can get on Amazon, depending on how it's being sold on Amazon. You can get some good deals, you know. Uh, Facebook Marketplace, if it's one of those where you can actually meet up and see the camera, you know, or something before you buy it. But, yeah, I, you know, depending on the right situation, I wouldn't be afraid to buy a used camera. Awesome. You know, good to know. Really good to know yeah, about the site. And especially when when you start looking at that, what we were talking about, that one or two generations old, you know. I mean, it's 
it's hard to find, you know, new versions of a camera that's two years old, you know, so why not go used? And, you know, as long as you know the value and what the going price is, and that's where you can use eBay is price check on eBay. I, when I want to price something used, I typically go to eBay first, see what, you know, the trending prices are on an item are used are, and then be like, okay, now I know going into this deal, you know, this is the price range I should be looking at, you know? So, um, but yeah, definitely it's a great way to save money i've done it you know again anything used it's like buying a used car man you know everything's a gamble you know you don't have a manufacturer's warranty to rely on or you know, anything like that so you know it's a gamble but you know but everything is right that's right everything is man i've had a lot of new equipment that goes bad real quick so <laughs> absolutely you know. uh I'm trying to go back through my brain here and make sure that we hit on the different topics. So talk to me 10 years ago. I um, mean, maybe doesn't even have to go back that far. That person who um, is ready to put some effort into it um, definitely wants to consistently create content for their YouTube channel or they're, they're going to publish content somewhere, some way, shape or form. Um, put together a good, a good basic package, knowing what you know now about how people change interests, change with, uh, level of engagement, seriousness of it changes. I don't even necessarily want to start with a budget. We could maybe figure out the budget at the end and say all of this would cost about this much. But what does somebody who really is serious about putting out content with the intent of other people seeing it and potentially monetizing in some way, shape or form? And since it's deer season, let's talk self-filming a deer hunt. What would be... Run me through what, however specific you want to get a package that's going to provide that person what they need to stand. And I, we just talked about technique and all this and your skill yeah. comes into it. But to stand out and to not look like just another run of the mill, here's some crappy video that somebody didn't put a lot of effort into filming. Yeah, so there's a lot of layers to this. A lot. Um, we, could go, we could go a lot of rabbit holes in different directions. But just a uh, good basic starter. Yeah, yeah, I've yeah, got yeah, it yeah. and I can add other things later. The nice to haves would be later, but I can at least go out and film some hunts this year and feel good about what I could put up. Yeah. So I would go get myself a video camera, uh, whether it's a handy cam or even making that step up like you're talking about. Um, but I'd go out and get myself a video camera that shoots 4K, 30 frames per second minimum. Um, you could, maybe could get into something that did 4K, 60 frames per second. But honestly, I shoot very little 60 frames per second as well because that does it does do great slow motion. But you can get you into a camera, you know, for you know four to seven hundred dollar range, depending on what you want to do. So you got to have a camera. You need a microphone. Um, microphones that are built into cameras suck. That's, there's just no sugarcoating it. They're terrible. Uh, so you can get a shotgun microphone. <clears throat> it's called a shotgun because it literally projects out like the barrel of a gun and it 
theoretically only it's very directional so it only wants to hear the sounds that are out in front of it so you lose a lot of your ambient side sound which is good when you're filming a deer 20 feet away you want to hear him walking through the leaves or i mean 20 yards away you want to hear him walking through the leaves okay uh you want to hear the squirrel chattering you know or you know whatever so you're gonna need a microphone in a way to get that microphone signal into the camera. And that's going to be very dependent on the camera that you buy, whether it's just a little cord that plugs in, or if it's a digital interface uh, through a hot shoe, or if it's a heavier cord system. I mean, there's just a zillion ways they all connect. But you get, you're going to want a microphone, you know, in that you're talking in the 50 to $150 range, depending on how fancy you want to get. Tell me a little bit um, about since we're on the microphones for a moment, uh, XLR microphones, and there are converters to go to the 3.5 mm -hmm. millimeter. I've been running a Rode NTG2 shotgun mic on my Canon G20. Mm -hmm. It's an XLR mic, and I years. have the yeah. converter and uh, the little converter cable. But also, I have heard that there are some good straight 3.5 millimeter mini jack microphones thoughts on whether somebody and i guess budget would play into whether you need to go xlr uh, or just well yeah so xlr microphones obviously for those who don't know they got a big obnoxious plug on one end they're a heavier duty cable that's a shielded cable you don't get noise interference you get a better signal that goes to the camera all around it's just better it is i say all that with the caveat that i don't use them so i used to I used to. I had the exact microphone you're talking about on my XA20. When I went over to a mirrorless system, I use them. I use 3.5. That's or a digital interface on my one Sony. But uh, I use all 3.5. Yes. Can you get interference? Yes. Has it ever been an issue for me? I'm going to say no. Not that I can recall. So um, 3.5s. You know the beauty is they're they're smaller. They're more compact. They're lighter weight. They're you know, they're just not as cumbersome as XLRs and they're less expensive. So you could get like a, a road, um, uh, their video micro, which I shot on one of those for years. And I just sold it here to a buddy of mine last summer. Uh, you get in that microphone for 60 bucks. I think deity's got a similar one. That's like 50, 60, 70 bucks. I mean, you're talking under $75 and getting these microphones. And they're good. And they're, I mean, they're... I'm a Rode fan. My side, yeah. I'm not talking into a Rode mic right now. I've got a cheaper mic that actually performs really well, but I've got a lot. Like, so that video micro, they even make one that plugs right into uh, like an iPhone. They have you plug it yeah. right into that lightning adapter, whatever it is. The yeah. uh, type, So they even make some that if, Going back to the folks who just want to try on their cell phone, or maybe they want to have that as a backup second angle, you can even get that external mic through them for that mm -hmm. for relatively little money. Dude, I've got this little tiny mic. I use it sometimes in my cell phone and uh, a couple of my action cameras. And I bought it on Amazon. I can't remember the brand. It's like 20 bucks. It's got a 90 degree turn it that swivels. It plugs right in the 3.5. It's decent. I mean, it's decent audio. It's not a, it's not a road shotgun mic. You know, it's not, you know, uh, my wireless mics, not, you know, my, my, um, studio mic, like, you know, similar to what, you know, you got in front of you. I've got one right up over my head where I use video. It's not bad, but it's decent. You know, I mean, it's a hell of a lot it's, better than what's in the camera. Yes. I was just going to say, regardless, it is better 
than yeah. what is in the camera. Yeah. Better than what your phone's going to record. You know? So you're talking a four to $700 camera somewhere in that range. And yeah. you can get really decent camera towards the upper end mm -hmm. of that range. Like you mentioned yeah. too, going and back a generation or two, if you, you don't mind going 1080, you can really stack it up. But even the nicer, uh, I feel like some of the older 1080s, I don't even know if the older 1080s would have a better sensor for lower light than some of the less expensive newer 4Ks. I feel like they those less expensive cameras got the older sensors that the previously more expensive cameras had, just like cell phones, everything. The the chip that was the top of the line is now the, the bottom of the the pile type deal. Right. Uh, so right. yeah. So you're looking at yeah. that. Then you said a microphone. What okay, else? Would so yeah. Okay. So really starting out, you got to have the camera, got the microphone. Okay. Those that's the bare minimums. Obviously an SD card or whatever to record it. But beyond that, you got to have a way to support it all. Okay. So you're not gonna self film and hold the camera. It, you can't do it. So you're gonna have to have a tree arm, and you're gonna have to have some type of for lack of better terms, fluid head on the end of the tree arm. Um, and that basically, for those who don't know, it's this, it rotates up, down, side to side and allows you to position the camera at literally any angle when you're up there in the tree. And hopefully it allows you to pan from side to side smoothly as well as up and down and then also balances the camera when you go completely hands-free. So you gotta have that stuff. Now again, there's, you know, there's different options on there. Um, fourth arrow really is probably the one who's taken the bull by the horns the last few years. Um, I use all their gear. I've owned all their gear. I'm probably their biggest critic that's out there. And anybody who's watched my channel knows it. I, I have this love-hate relationship with their gear. Uh, but that's only because I'm OCD and I'm a mechanical engineer. But in their defense, they're making some great products. Uh, for the everyday person who wants to film, and I'm in no way affiliated with them. In fact, they, if I called them on the phone and they'd hear my name, they'd probably hang up. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Didn't we block but, them on Facebook? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they seriously, they do make a great product for the guy just starting out. And they just came out with this arm. A uh, buddy of mine, Nate Sellers, the average Jack Archery on YouTube, he just got one. Um, and it's like $100, 99 bucks or something like that. It's this kit. It's lightweight. It holds a, you know, it supports a cell phone or a smaller type of camera. I mean, including what the camera sizes you're talking about, you know, is it as good as the arms and stuff I run or even, you know, the bigger setups? No, but will it work for the average guy for a hundred bucks? Yeah. And it, and no, it'll work. It'll work reasonably well for them. So what is you got to have called? that. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. They just came out with it here about a month or so ago, but it's like, if you go to their website, it's like 99 bucks, I think, for the whole package. I think you got to pay a few extra bucks for some cell phone mount adapter, and there's some other gizmos. But you can get into setup for 100 bucks. you know? Pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's not bad at all when you consider that. Uh, what are some things that somebody should look for in a tree arm? Because I've certainly had some that were... Yeah. Not worth the time I even spent looking it up <laughs> to put the order in, much less strapping it to a tree and trying to hang a camera out on the end. Yeah, I, I would say, I would say, especially a guy starting out that wants to get in this, maybe step his game up a little bit. I would focus on ease of use. 
it has to be easy to use because if it's not, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to quit. Um, if you are really, really dedicated to this, doing this, frustration just feeds you and makes you want to do more and improve. Yes, sir. If you're a new guy, new to the game completely, or if you're a guy who just wants to take it up and get a little better, frustration will be the first thing that, that you know, tanks it for you. So I would focus on ease of use. And when I say that, can you carry it into the woods relatively easily and efficiently? They're all pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them mm -hmm. is. They're big, obnoxious, but can you reasonably get it in the woods and can you reasonably get it attached to the tree in a solid fashion, relatively quiet? Can you do it in the dark? You know, I mean, so those are the things I would, I would look at. Um, again, fourth arrow out on a limb is another good manufacturer. They got some really good, uh, you know, offerings when it comes to tree arms and their base system. I've never used them, but I'm impressed with what I see. I've talked to the owner on the, on the phone several times. And uh, I don't think they got one quite as budget as the fourth arrow. I mean, their budget might be 200, but you know, for their budget in one, but they make a really nice one. I, I don't know what Muddy's doing right now. I don't think Muddy's making a lot of tree arms these days. Yeah. I don't, that's um, what I currently <laughs> use. I mean, you're not bullshitting about make sure it's easy to get in and out because I have one base for it. And when I bought it, I, I bought the nicer one, like the outfitter or whatever. Cause the outfitter. I, I wanted all the, the heavy duty. I didn't want the little light one. Um, I had to make some modifications to it. My thing, like a big thing for me is, does it strap tightly to the tree? Because uh, I first, using just their straps, I'd put it out there. And then I've got, he mentioned a fluid head. Because I'm the balls out kind, per, kind of person, I've got a Manfrotto 502AH, which means nothing to most people, if you don't know. But really nice fluid head yeah. for... Uh, like five to 13 pound cameras. And I was like, well, I don't know if I'm going to go up in camera size. So even though I don't need it for this little cannon, be really nice. So I've been using that. Uh, that gets mounted at the beginning of C or whenever I'm going to use it in a tree to the arm portion. And then if I am not going back and hunting a tree that I filmed out of that morning or that day before, I took the base that straps to the tree because that's a separate part. So I've got that in my pack. Yeah. I've got the arm. I've got my camera in there. And then I still have to somehow find rooms, uh, rooms, uh, room for my release, my binoculars, oh, yeah. range, my, like all this yeah. extra stuff. And up until Jack got more and more into it, when I could film him more, like you said, I stepped away from the self-filming aspect because it's so damn much work and even with the good stuff if you're not doing it to fulfill some purpose that drives you especially once it starts to get tough or you, you things don't work the way you thought they would work because you wanted to save a, a few bucks here and there i would tell somebody it will get the best deal you can but tree arms are not where i would look for bargain basement no who's no, got the no. cheapest because no. you're about to mount that Four hundred plus dollar camera and that fifty plus dollar <laughs> microphone and that you can get tripod. I would tell people for a fluid head. My very first one, I got one of those tripod kits that had a fluid mm. head, like a newer or something. I couldn't even yeah, tell you. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're gonna have all that yeah. stuff hanging out there, and then you're gonna trust it to a cheap 
ratchet strap mm-hmm. or maybe not even a ratchet strap. Like I, I'm not doing that. I would, I dropped just the arm and the fluid head from a 12 foot ladder stand and about puked. I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. if my camera would have been on there and taken that fall. Yeah. Yeah. I've never dropped a camera. I've come close a couple of times, but yeah, it, it, it amazes me. The people that will, they'll take $2,500 with the camera gear and they'll hang it off of a $50 gorilla screw in arm. That, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, but it is what it is. So yeah, you definitely, I, I would say if you're going to spend some money, spend some money on a good camera arm system, it will make your life so much better. And again, you are supporting, even if it's a $500 camera, that's a lot of stinking money, you know, to be hanging off the side of the tree to do what? Like none of us are, you're not going to have your mortgage paid with that $500 camera. (laughs) You're doing this just to film your hunt so you can put it on YouTube and get 20 likes. Yes. And maybe a couple Satisfy your ego and share with friends what it's like when you're out there. At least that's what I. Yeah. If you're like, if you're lucky 50 views, I mean, come on, seriously, you know, it's, yeah, that's what I would do. I'd focus on, on something convenient, but solid and all that. And those are really, when it comes to self filming, those are the basic components that you have to have. You got to have a bag of some sort, obviously, to carry the, you know, stuff out there. But, you know, from then, from there, it's just how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? Do you want to get, you know, a wired remote control that works with, with your camera so that you can control it off the grip of the, you do. of the fluid head, or you know, do you want lights? Uh, do you want a wireless mic setup. Do you want a POV camera, point of view, like a GoPro pointing back at you so you can get a second angle? The rabbit hole spirals and spirals and spirals, man. And, you know, and then once you fill all those needs, you're like, oh, now it's time for a better camera. And you just, it just keeps going. I mean, that is, if you get into it and you like it and you do it. Um, some people, I've got a good friend of mine. He will, he dove in head first about 10 years ago, did it for a year and that was it. And his stuff still sits on the shelf at his house. You know, other people I know they have fun going out and if they take their camera and they film great, if they go out and film or go out and hunt and leave it behind, they don't care, you know? So different strokes for different folks, you know, me, I, I can't really even imagine hunting without a camera, you know, anymore. I've done it for so long. I was recently, man, at some point in time, we'll have to probably not a podcast because nobody would listen to it unless they're trying to uh, figure out Premiere. But if you know Premiere, I definitely need some lessons. I am terrible. Like YouTube audition. I fly through. I can edit some audio like a beast. But when I try to use Premiere, I'm like, what's going on here? But I recently started going back through my footage from last year and this was something that Robin, Robin Parks with Hotshot, and I had discussed a lot in sitting in a five-foot pop-up blind in 100-degree heat at 10 o'clock at night in southern Missouri. Uh, like, everybody thinks that hunting is so easy, or because we represent work with these companies within the industry that... You know, we get all these prime hunts and we've probably even talked about this before. I was like, I'm going to try to just, and I'm still working on, but I recorded an, at least an intro and I think an outro for every hunt sit that I had last year to be like, all right, sit number one, 12. 
finally, I think it was, I, and this was a very lucky season last year for me. It was like sit 11, 12, 13 when it was opening day of rifle season. And then finally that big buck came in right at the end. You were talking about filming, like, love it. I got my son's deer on film. I, I always want to try to film him. He had the camera in hand. And I guess when, when all the excitement talked about double punching the record button, didn't get like the shot on the deer. I still see it in my mind so clearly, like I'm looking through the scope on it. But I was like, okay, shit happens. Didn't get it. Like, yeah. there are people that need to, some people whose livelihoods depend on it, need to get that shot on screen. When you were saying have something out of focus, to me, even worse is when it steps off, like, especially self filming, when it steps yeah. out, out of scene. And you're like, oh, I didn't have it in the viewfinder anymore. I wasn't, uh, didn't even have that shot. That happened to me on a turkey hunt once. I had it happen to me on a deer four years ago, probably four or five years ago. Yeah. And it, you know, it was, the wind was howling and I had him in the frame and I, and I drew back and the wind pushed the arm over and he was out and I shot the, and I was like, are you kidding but, yeah. We it could probably do that. an entire series of episodes on just all the issues that we have yeah. run into, all the things that went wrong or uh, conspired against us to to make it all work, to film and yeah. hunt. And I think that's the other thing people need to figure out. Like, I know you're very much this way. Robin is absolutely, I'm not going to shoot unless it's in frame and it's a good, like, yep. I look yep. at it like I'm still not making my money that way. And I'm, Maybe it's one of those deals that audio is my thing. Obviously, I host a podcast. Yeah. I have a production company that's primarily focused in audio production, audio editing, not so much the video side. Do it more because I enjoy that. Uh, I'm like, ah, yeah. uh, if it's not when I'm bow hunting or something, if I'm like, luckily, I'm to the point where every decent deer that comes by, I don't feel the need to shoot it. I still think about it for a moment or two, uh, but I love to film those and, and that's neat for me if it came down to it and i wasn't able to get it in frame i'm still gonna take that shot like i'm not using this video to make my living people may not love it that the next thing they see is scenes of the recovery or blood tracking or whatever it is but i think that's something else people need to decide is how committed are you because if you really yeah. want to make a shot at being committed and maybe being picked up by one of these great groups or shows. Uh, Eric, you mentioned it at the beginning, not many people, unless they have more money than sense, are just going to pick up a camera and find themselves on outdoor television. Um, doesn't happen that way. Money has a lot to do with it. That's why there's so much terrible TV out there, because they can find ways to, to finance that. Uh, Pay to play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just because you have money doesn't mean you know what you're doing when it comes to making a TV show or, or shooting footage. But yeah, there's, there's a whole magnitude of levels of commitment to it. And there's no right answer. And I don't really, I, I would say the only wrong answer in deciding how committed you want to be would be having false expectations and putting too much on yourself to where it ruins what hunting is supposed to be. I would say that's the only wrong answer. And I say that meaning that, um, if, if, if this false feeling that you have, that you, that, that you have got to get every kill on camera, perfect and everything, or else if you don't, your hunt was a failure 
and that takes away from the joy of the hunt, then you're doing it all for the wrong reason. You know, for me, I strive every time to have the animal framed up, it all in focus, the entire thing to tell a story more than anything, and then do it in the way that I like to do it. And I only do it that way because when it works for me, I know the rush and the feeling and the euphoria that that whole package gives me. And that's the whole driving force and why I don't want to shoot a camera that's not in frame or in focus or in the situation that I want to. I passed up multiple opportunities and eight tags this past spring in turkey season. And if anybody knows me, knows what an avid turkey hunter I am. And I passed them up and guys were like, why? I'm like, nah, it just wasn't right. I mean, I wanted him five yards closer and I wanted him doing this. And when I shot him, it doesn't, it didn't matter to me because I know what the satisfaction of is it, but I, but I put that on myself and I live with that. So if you have those, if that's what you want to do, you know, and if, if failing diminishes the hunt, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. So, you know, I would also, you know, the guys, and I know a lot of them are like, look, I'll film a hunt. But if that big buck walks through and I can't get him on camera, I don't care. Care, I'm letting an arrow fly. I'm like, dude, do it. If that's if that's what you want, then do it. There's it's no your experience. Make it what yeah. you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you can you can easily easily succumb to the pressures of social media, the pressures of watching others succeed on YouTube. You know, at a at a small level um or at the highest levels like the thp guys or the seek one guys or or flair or some of those guys i mean you know it's hard don't you know you can't look at them and you know be like somebody who who likes to sing and they're pretty decent singing if they think they're going to be you know the next taylor swift or the next you know whoever i I don't know why that name came to mind first your favorite artist ever yeah my daughters maybe but but my point is is if that's your expectations you are going to be sadly sadly disappointed in this game telling i've played it long enough i know it's tough it's tough to capture good footage it's harder in my opinion in my experience to produce that footage into the story that you were talking about that's meaningful and I don't think everybody has to do that. I'm not saying that everybody needs to tell a story. I don't care if you want to hit record right before it walks in, take the shot and then you're done. And that, and that's your video or you want to go from like your most recent deer hunt video, I believe started with you in the kitchen or in the garage. And I mean, you captured footage. Not a word was said. Did you notice that? I did. There, there There is no dialogue in that until after i killed the deer that had to be really hard for you it was hard but (laughs) you know yeah you're right i like to talk um but you know it's it's it it, you know for me again it's it's like telling this story and it's just the way i like to do it and what it's evolved to and and trying to be different man there's this cookie cutter mold of hey okay october the first sitting over a cornfield in indiana and it's cold out and blah 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 and they talk literally for five minutes and the camera never cuts away and like okay we get it and even if you only talk for 
30 seconds, we get it. We know what's going on. You set the stage. That's been the cookie killer way to tell a story in a hunting video for years. And it developed, you know, back in the late eighties, early nineties with TV. Um, it's all been done. And so, you know, again, you know, I, it's what feeds you. And I'm at a point in my filming and what I do where doing something different is what kind of fuels me. Like, how can, how can I, how can I tell a hunt and never say a word? You know, how can I tell that story and make it engaging to where the person wants to watch it and never open my mouth? You know, how could I take and make, you know, I, I joke about this. I'm, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to, but I do all these one minute Saturday, Sunday videos. I'm going to do a one minute Turkey hunt video where it takes you the whole story in 60 seconds through the whole kill. And it's going to be totally engaging and there's going to be no dialogue and, and, you know, it's these personal challenges that I set on myself. And again, I'm a lot farther down the road than somebody who's new or where you're wanting to be or whatever, but it's just continually setting a bar and, you know, what's the next objective to keep this whole thing fun and satisfying. Not that the hunt itself isn't, it certainly is. But man, when, when I set a goal and say, okay, I want to, I want to hunt this deer and I want to kill this deer and I want to film it. And I want the end product to look like this. And when I pull it off, it just magnifies the whole experience for me personally. And that's what it's about. And if I can show it to people and get eyeballs on it and people go, dude, that was like as good as anything I've ever seen, you know, in XYZ's production, you know, that's the cool part about the whole thing, you know, and that's where it can get to. And, but, and again, where's the ceiling? There is no ceiling. There's, there's none. So the guy starting out, set reasonable goals the guy who's three years in set reasonable goals you know and who knows make it your own own it don't you don't have to do what everybody else has done own it and do your own thing man you know i love it you and there i don't know who to attribute it to there's a quote or saying floating around out there by uh something to the effect of doing what everyone else has done will get you what everyone else has gotten and those people who are standing out, they're standing out for a reason because they brought something different. Whether like my son introduced me to Flair at one point in time last year. I'm like, who is this dude of in Nebraska or where? Like, what is he got going on here? Um, he's an acquired taste. He yeah. definitely is an acquired taste. The uh yeah. the hunting public. I mean, there's so <laughs> many of them, but they they built their name, even in the podcast world for what I'd, I ask myself that a lot is, and I doubt myself on it a lot is what can I do that's different that people will still enjoy? And that's where I try to get out of my head is remember, Logan, I'm not doing this so that other people enjoy it. I'd love for other people to do it, but my primary purpose is still like the hunt. It's unique for everyone. You, I would correct me if I'm wrong. I would tell people that you are in it more for the filming and the creation of the story than the hunt. Whereas I feel like I'm probably 50, 50 or even lean. I'm still in it for the hunt of the, animal. like I, I want to eat the, that animal. I might have limited opportunities, but it's just, it's where different people are at with their things. And it's okay to be engaged with things for different reasons or have different purposes, have different end goals. I mean, we're talking a lot about self-filming, but all these groups and things that we've talked about, they wouldn't be anywhere without people who are 
willing to give up their own hunt and jump behind the camera. And to yeah. me, like that's that's a whole other level. I, I I love being out in the woods so much. If Robin or anybody calls and they're like, "Hey, you have plans? I'm going hunting. I need a cameraman." I'm like, "I'm there. If I'm available, yeah. I just love being out there and and filming others." But I mean, there's this whole other thing that you may find that, hey, this is really difficult to do on my own and transition to finding that partner. Who's the person who yeah. will be in front of the screen? I, I'm all, I've always kind of been a behind the scenes person anyway, preferably, but like now I know like what kind of asshole dad would I be if I handed my son my camera and said, hey, film me hunting. Let me put my face and my image and my likeness out right. there all my great hunting, I'm like, grab the camera. I want to film you hunting. I want to be able to, like, I I still separate the creative side from the primarily <laughs> hunting side. When I'm a cameraman, I'm like, whatever you need, wherever you need, I'm here to film and capture what you need. When I'm hunting, though, and I, I'm going to try everything I can to get it in frame, but if it's that last possible opportunity, I am, I'm not beyond letting it eat and saying, hey, Sorry, this is hard. And I worked real hard for it. And I wasn't walking out of here empty handed yep. as this part being more important to me currently than the creating the story that I would have loved to yeah. have done. Yeah. And there's no shame in that, man. We've all been there. So I've been there myself, you know, but so for sure. I know sure. we're rolling up on getting kind of close to an hour and a half. And that's where I, I love cow. to keep these. I know it doesn't seem like that. <laughs> I looked down. I'm like, really already? Uh, what have I not thought about that people need to know? Tips, advice, your wisdom that maybe I overlooked somehow thinking, oh, this is already common sense for me. But what have we not really covered when it comes to self-filming? It's freaking hard. How's that? I'm just going to be blunt. It's freaking hard. It, it is. It's one of the most difficult things uh, that I've ever taken on in my life and, and feel that I've been more successful than the majority at maybe, but, and, and I'm kind of proud of that, but it's, it's very difficult. Um, filming a deer hunt, self-filming and putting it all together is a difficult thing to do. And, and, there's just no sugarcoating and you'll get lucky every once in a while and, and all that, but it's tough. And then when you get to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to kill that animal because I don't have enough camera light or I don't have enough, you know, frame that can be a tough pill to swallow mm -hmm. too. You know, I rem I remember the first time I let a doe walk because there wasn't enough camera light and I really wanted to put a doe in the freezer. And I was like, I really want to get on film too. And it was, it was tough, man. And then you start watching, walking, or watching bucks walk or if you're a turkey hunter you let a turkey walk because it just wasn't camera and you that to me run. is crazy <laughs> like that yeah deer a lot yeah. I, I can be like oh okay I, i've filmed in the last couple years especially i've been very yeah. fortunate to have just filmed a lot of deer when i'm hunting by myself and not taking the shot like the camera yeah. the footage was the shot that i took i succeeded yeah. i met my goal being able to do that but Man, turkeys, like do it, I, with it. and then do, still... it, then do it when you got a bow in your hand. <laughs> I like, I'm a 
we're not waiting. First opportunity, we're going to smoke <laughs> this thing. I'm not trying to get footage of it dancing around because so many times in my life, turkey hunting has been so hard and gotten so screwed up that I just, I have this, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get to the point where it's like, ah, no big deal. Turkey came in, turkey walked out. Uh, look, it, I've been very blessed when it comes to turkey hunting. And so I, if I never killed another one in my life, it would be, I mean, I'd miss it, but it's like, it is what it is, you know, and I, I love turkey hunting, but yeah, there's a lot of guys, you know, I came back from my trip out West this, this spring when, you know, Robin and I were, and Keith were all hunting together. And obviously we did really well in South Dakota. Um, but, uh, you know, I went to Nebraska and I had multiple opportunities and I let birds walk. And there's a lot of guys like, what in the world are you thinking of? Ah, eh, there'll be more. Uh, you know, I've killed a bunch with a bow. I've filmed a lot with a bow. There'll be future ones that just, they weren't doing what I wanted and how I wanted it. And so, you, you know, know I, I look forward to that day. I know it'll come eventually for me, but I really like, I don't, I don't mind when that happens. I'm just not there yet. I'm excited for that. Like, I feel like I'm really there with deer for the most part, unless it's a giant, I'd be, that yeah. would be tough. Uh, letting, letting something that would <clears throat> qualify for Pope and young roll by like, I, uh, I don't know if I could, but I would be much more likely to do that. And again, I think that's just because I've been so fortunate to be around so many deer and be so successful in deer hunting and have had the opportunity to take some really big deer so that the, the ones that would have yeah. used to blow me away now, it's just cool to, to watch them. I don't feel like I need to try to take it anymore. I don't know. It's, I think it, that's part of what filming though helps me do though even though i'm not selling my footage i i don't use it much other than to maybe help promote some of the companies that i represent uh show what i'm doing for me a lot it's just to go back and relive the memory all over again and see what it was yeah. really like out there and pick up what i missed while i was actually living in that moment um i don't know i forgot where i was heading with this for right. whatever reason uh yeah so looking forward maybe looking forward to passing and i don't know i got off on one of my rabbit holes and got lost in the cave but you know uh, well you know circle back to you know what have we not talked about and again it's really hard and and if you want to do it you know you kind of got to commit to it at least to some level um you know you're spending a lot of money on gear and you know here's another thing i would I would caution somebody to get just too like infatuated with the gear. Um, again, as Casey Neistat so eloquently put it is the best camera that you have is the one, or the best camera to use is the one you have with you at any given time. So, you know, film with what you got, man. You know, I mean, I, there's a lot of things that I film in my life uh, with an action camera. There's a lot of things I film in my life with a cell phone. You know I mean? Hell, my Saturday, Sunday videos that I do every weekend is always on an action camera. It's on a freaking $200 DJI Osmo action camera. That's it. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a uh, uh, $4,000 Sony mirrorless camera. Um, you know, go out and film. Go out and shoot photos. And, you know, another huge mistake, and I kind of, I think I mentioned this early on, was that so many guys do this. They're like, I want to film hunts. 
and they pick up the camera on October 1st. And in late November, when they're done deer hunting, they put the camera down. And then they don't put the pick the camera back up until the next October 1st. And I don't care how good of a deer hunter you are. I don't care how committed you think you are to filming. If that's all you're going to pick up a camera and run it, you're going it's a train wreck. It's an epic failure. I mean, shooting a camera is much more difficult than turning on and pushing the red record button. There's so much more to it. There's so much more to video and photography. Maybe that's not your interest or your hobby, but if you're going to learn how to use a tool, you got to use the tool. You know, I mean, that muscle memory fades real quick when it comes to these cameras. And so, quality gear is not going to make up for poor technique. If no, you're shaking, no. if you're whatever it is, if you're out of focus, it doesn't matter how expensive it was. It's not yeah. going to fix it. And and it's expensive gear and you're going to buy it in October and use it for three months and then shelve it. Um, I'm here to tell you this stuff depreciates pretty quickly. And so if you're going to spend that kind of money, use it. It's digital. It's not like the film days. If you don't like something, hit delete. You know, And the only way you're going to get better is to go literally in in uh december sit down at christmas and start filming your family you know go to your daughter's basketball game and film her uh go to your kids you know baseball game and film them you know yeah. run around on a weekend and just film your kids being stupid you know how many self videos that i've done they've ended up in the trash and they were pointless like literally like walking around it's like testing a camera like man i wonder if i shoot it the, with these settings what if i did this okay I'll be walking through my house. Hey, this is Derek. You know, I'm testing out this and this and this. It's the only way you're going to get there, man. Where Just, I'm going through that with this G5X Mark II, this point and shoot. I got it thinking I could toss it in a pack. It's better than my cell phone camera, especially for longer distance stuff. But because it's so compact, I I still don't know where a lot of functions are. I still vividly recall being out scouting um, and going out. Like you said, I went out just really, I went out to spend time with my son in the woods and show <laughs> him some places that mean a lot to me. But also while we were out there, we both took our little point and shoot cameras and we we're messing with them. And I was trying to get a long exposure on uh, this little waterfall area off of a, mm -hmm. a creek. I couldn't figure out how to do it. And there were so yeah. many things that I couldn't figure out where to get to access this so that I could use this phenomenal camera to do all these things that it can. Like I've got it for sale on social media right now because I'm like, I'm not using it enough. And I'm like today, actually, the reason it's not sitting in here in my studio anymore is I took it out to the living room. I'm like, I'm going to fire up the laptop. I'm going to pull up the electronic user's manual. That's the only user's manual that they have. And I'm going to start playing with this thing maybe i just haven't used it enough to figure out how, like my video cameras i know where all the exposure buttons and everything are that i can make adjustments and i don't really have to look too much it's not, i'm not using a camera that brand new is probably close to a thousand dollars uh because i don't really know how to use it so exactly to your point Maybe if yeah. I spend some time and I just pick it up and I take it out and I snap some pictures and I go through the menus and what happens if I change to this? How yeah. do I get there? Oh, I could save this as a favorite setting so I can click right here and get to this. Like, yeah. so important to actually, yeah, it, you just like shooting is. your bow or your rifle or anything. I wouldn't encourage anybody to pick it up right before you need to use it and no. just start to do that either. 
Yeah, you you do. And you know, quite frankly, it's a skill set too, man. It's a learnable skill set. It's awesome. And you just might get good at something. You know, that's just it. Is it's funny. You know, I mean, I still look, you know, it's all a challenge for me, but uh, a lot of times the video for me is easier than the photography. And so for me, I, I find myself going out and shooting photos all the time, man, all the time. And, you know, trying to achieve, you know, what I see, you know, people that, that I admire doing, but it's a skill set. And honestly, that skill set over these years, never intended it to go this way has turned into a pretty lucrative side gig for me, man. I'm hired by realtors. I go around and shoot real estate photos for local realtors and, and drone footage, you know, and drone photos for realtors. And, you know, you mentioned the, the interesting musical music festival. I, I've been hired by this. They're my biggest client now is this, these new group that low owns a, uh, a festival park and they have concerts and everything. And it's awesome. I was, I was out there at their hippie fest here a couple weekends ago, shooting photos and of all the dope smokers out there and stuff, but it was, it was fun. Actually, it was a lot of fun and they're paying gigs, you know, and I, you know, I've got a local truck shop and a couple others. I just posted a video of a a Jeep build that I was hired to do a a video on. And all these things are, dude, I'm a mechanical engineer. I never thought I'd be even paid to make videos or shoot photos. And, and obviously we, you know, as you know, I have relationships in the, in the hunting industry, which are paid gigs, you know, but, um, I'd have never imagined that. And it, it was this hobby that turned into a skill set that I just obsessed over. And you never know. I mean, the dad tomorrow that wants to go out and start filming with his iPhone, a hunt 10 years from now, maybe, you know, he's 52 years old like me and going, you know what, I've got a little nice little side hustle right here that might take me into retirement, you know, as, as some part-time gig that I enjoy doing. You never know. You don't know, man. Absolutely. Got to get out and just try it. If you think you have an interest, I think that's where it's important to not spend all the money up front. Get just the, the, the basics that you need to do what you are expecting to get out of it and just try screw up a lot. This podcast is better than a podcast, 10 podcasts ago, 11. I don't know, but it was way better than when I started it a year ago. And that podcast was better than when we kicked off the hotshot podcast. And I, so everything it builds, got to stick with it. Uh, like I said, just, I think it was funny when you were just talking about that. Cause that hippie fest was what popped into my mind when you started this off saying, I got into this about 14 years ago to film my kids. Um, yeah, just as a side, I'm like, now you just got back from a hippie fest. You're sitting in a brand new tricked out film studio with all this cool lighting and everything around you because 14 years ago, you wanted to capture a few memories with your kids. Yeah. That's no kidding. Man. I mean, literally that's how it all began, you know, and it's just a continuing desire to improve. You know, how do I, I look at that video. I just edited that dough there. Damn it damn, I wish I could have done this, I could have done that. It's like, okay, next time I'm going to do that. It's just continually setting that bar higher and higher and higher and higher. Pushing yourself. You know? it, it, again, I think it ties because you're passionate about it. It's easier for you to do. There are times, even the things that I'm really good at aren't easy. <laughs> like I don't necessarily always want to. And I'm sure there are times you're like, I don't feel like grabbing the camera, but if I don't, yeah. I'm going to kick myself in the ass. And then also, why am I even going out if I'm not trying to, yeah. tell the story of this trip uh yeah 
So we covered a lot of ground. I think you've done more than enough to explain to somebody why they should take heed to what you say. It's not uh, not a random social media health or political expert uh, that's throwing out some advice. You talked in detail about how you've got to a lot of the information that you shared. People wanted to find out more about you or if somebody had deeper questions than what we covered here or what I could answer, where can people find your content or maybe find you? Uh, obviously, you know, social media is, is a ticket. I would say um, I would encourage people to go to YouTube and go to my channel, which is New Day Outdoors. Uh, there you can see all of my content. You can see the early days when stuff sucked and you can see the current stuff right now where they suck less. Um, you can see, you know, every weekend I do a 60 second video on my weekend. So check all that stuff out. You can ask me. I, I probably now I, I get a lot more interaction, honestly, on YouTube in the comments or people messaging right. me uh, that way. So, which is great. So message me, you sit, watch a video and say, Hey, you know, I want to know more about your setup in this situation. I'll walk you through it. You know, uh, you can send me a friend request at Derek Craig on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I'm new day outdoors. I also have a new day outdoors, Facebook page. It is a mirror kind of, of my YouTube, but not really. I mean, it, I'll put some hunting stuff on it and I get people that message me quite a bit on that. Um, you can also reach me through Magnus Broadheads. Um, if you talk, go to, to customer service, Mike will put you them in touch with me. So those are probably the, the best ways. Um, but most people probably know me, mo know me best in most of my material from new day outdoors on YouTube or Magnus broadheads on YouTube. Cause I do the bulk of our media content on that channel or manage the YouTube channel there for the most part. So those are the best ways. Awesome. Well, Go check him out. I appreciate your time. I heard the boy and the wife get home from football practice just a little bit ago, and he's off school, so I don't know if he's asleep yet or not. I'm going to go uh, check on him, but I really, really appreciate you going through so much. I picked up stuff. I, a lot of when a topic pops up, it's usually selfish because it's something that I'm interested in talking about or hearing about. So I really appreciate you taking the time to run through kind of start to pretty much, I mean, even some of the things we were talking about could be TV and, and broadcast, certainly online uh, media content worthy, and just sharing that experience. Hopefully this finds somebody who is excited to be getting their season kicked off and was thinking, man, I'd love to do this, but I, I don't know where to start. So hopefully they found this episode or somebody told their friend about it and they found it and were able to you know, be that person who might be thinking of having a little bit of a side hustle in retirement and bringing in some additional income because they just fell into something that they were so passionate about. So thank you for uh, taking time away from your life to chat with all of us about video cameras. Ah, uh, dude, it's not taking time away from my life. This is my life, man. So it's, <laughs> So, all day every dream. day yep living my dreams man so awesome well thank you so much hopefully um there'll be some more videos and some crazy content that'll pop up and we can get you back on a little uh more than a, a year out and talk more about uh what you got going on there's so much we didn't even 
cover today. And I kind of thought, yeah, I was like, ah, of all this stuff, I knew we weren't going to get to more than like one topic. I know we got to do a whole podcast on why you're skinny and I'm skinny. Now. So <laughs> yes. I mean, that's a whole podcast right there, man. It's the so. new camera lenses. That's what it is. It is. It is. <laughs> we exactly. just got those skinny lenses. That's right. That's right. So, awesome. Anyways, Derek, well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your night. Hey, thank you so much, buddy. It's uh, been a pleasure. And uh, anytime you need a guest who's long-winded, you know who to call. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll definitely get back together. I want to have the story, if you're willing to tell it of your tree stand incident uh, in hopes that maybe it can help or save somebody else who may find themselves in a situation like that. So uh, we'll definitely get you back on and have more conversation. For sure, bud. All right. I'll talk to you later. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a little glimpse into Derek Craig and self-filming. We got really in-depth and in the weeds on a lot of things. So some great information in this episode. And make sure you check them out, New Day Outdoors Productions. Um, as far as the podcast, you can find out more about the Nemophilist, support the podcast, or listen straight from the web at thenemophilist.buzzsprout.com. From the website, you can also find all the different platforms the show's located on. Be sure to follow the podcast on all your favorite platforms. Leave me a great rating and a review on what you love about the show. Make sure to tell your friends to do the same for me. That is one of the biggest things you all could do is tell other people about the Nemophilist, have them download it, have them follow the podcast. That's a huge, huge help. Also, thank you to all of those of you who have bought me a drink. That support goes a long way to keeping the podcast going. You can find out how to do that your own in the show notes. There's links. If you would love to do that, I would appreciate it so, so much. If you've got questions or feedbacks, possible show topics, if you've got ideas on great guests, email me at whizbangmediallc at gmail.com, W-H-I-Z. Also, be sure to follow along on Facebook, Instagram. Um, don't even worry about Twitter anymore. I'm just, I, I can't do it, folks. Um, the, the accounts out there, Facebook, Instagram, that's where you can find me. Search the.nemophilus.lc and make sure you give those pages a like and a follow as well. As always, thank you all again so much for your support. Until next time, get outside and enjoy the outdoors.